Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As I was preparing for today's lesson, I came across this article. And the article is called, Eight Extremely Bizarre Court Cases That Actually Happened. Eight Extremely Bizarre Court Cases That Actually Happened. Now, for the sake of our study, I, I can't, I'm not going to go through all eight. I wouldn't give you all eight, but... I am going to give you two, and labor with me for just a moment, because these are extremely bizarre court cases that actually happened. The first one is this. Check this out. This is one bizarre case that actually happened. It's the case of the smelly feet can get you expelled. True story. As you know, the article writes, smelly feet can sometimes become a problem for students. But it's most definitely the kind of problem that can take you to court. However, in 2009, philosophy undergrad Tenus Tenbrook sued Eramus University in Rotham. It turns out the university expelled him for his unsufferably stinky extremities. A strong pong made it possible for the staff at the Center of Learning to work. So... Tenuous launched a 10-year court action. It ended with a judge saying that the staff would just have to hold their nose. (laughs) Actual court case. Some of you are thinking about your feet right now. Don't do that. I looked at another one. I thought it was interesting. It's called um, Hit by a Pineapple. Hit by a Pineapple. A Glaswegian police officer... Tracy Ormsby tried to sue for $1.5 million as a result of a pineapple-related injury. Bizarrely, the tropical fruit struck her during the protest at the closure of a swimming pool in 2001. Moreover, she claimed that she was forced to quit her job as a result of the minor injury. Then she spent three years as a, as a mentally scarred recluse. But that's not all. When the case went to court, the judge heard how Tracy had taken trips around the world. Furthermore, the police claimed that she yelled, Kerching! I'm in the money! When, when she got hit with the pineapple. When the doctor diagnosed a post-traumatic stress disorder, she only got $3,000. Now I find these cases somewhat humorous as a prelude to the insane bizarre trial of Jesus you understand that see today we're going to discover that the high priest as well as the scribes and the elders were about to perform one of the most bizarre illegal criminal court trials ever heard you need to understand that you see, because at most of the time we go, oh, Jesus went to trial, he went to Caiaphas, and he's always on the cross, okay. But we need to understand what really took place. But what we need to do is grasp as well is a more, mm, how about this, more, a different trial, more at our level. You go, what do you mean? 
Well, see, it's not the trial of Jesus, but it's the unofficial trial of Peter. Whoa, 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 what are you saying? Are you saying Peter had a trial? No, 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 stay with me. You see, Jesus' trial was bizarre. Can I get an amen? It was illegal. It was immoral. But Pete's trial, Pete's trial? What's that? Well, it was put on by everyday folks like us. Everyday folks like us. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here's my point. Ready? When you became a Christian, when you became a fully devoted follower of Christ, you understand that people all over in the world begin to look at your life. You stepped up, you made a proclamation, I'm born again, I'm a child of God, this is who I am, and from that point on, you were put on trial. You go, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, what the world is trying to do is they're trying to determine if your behavior lines up with what you say. That's what the world does. They'll take a step back, they'll fold their arms, and they'll go, okay, you call yourself a Christian, you know what Christian means, right? Christ-like. You're supposed to be more like Christ. Let me see. And then they watch you through trials and tribulations. They watch you through everyday life and they go, hmm. And the trial is they're trying to determine, does our walk match what we say? Does our walk match our talk? And you go, well, Ben, what do you mean when you say this? Does our walk match our talk? You ready? To walk in him means we live our lives in such a way that we regulate our conduct in accordance to what Jesus wants us to do. It is about daily conducts, you ready? And attitudes. See, that's a big difference. It's how we behave. It's what we do. It's our attitude things. Sometimes, if I'm being honest in church, I have a bad attitude toward things. I have a bad attitude towards situations. I can find myself being negative in a lot of situations. I can't believe this. And, and oh, I got to take a look back. Why? Because the world's going, really? Really? You see, Having a walk that matches our talk simply means that we're living in harmony with Jesus. In harmony with Jesus. Now, if you're taking note, I'm calling this message Journey to the Cross, Two Trials. And as we go through verses 57 through 75, what we're going to do is we're going to make comments on both Peter. We'll look at Peter a little bit and we'll make comments on the trial of Jesus. So in your mind, I know you guys are listening to the theme of law and order. You hear go, dun, dun. And that's where we are. This is really the trial. This is what, this is what we're doing. We're, we're kind of going through some trials. One, a very official, illegal, immoral trial. And the other, we're going to mirror Peter's behavior with ours. Fun Sunday morning. Now, remember what we talked about two weeks ago. Jesus and his disciples, that's us, okay? Because when, when we study the book of Matthew, remember what it means is he, he wants us to stop being attenders of church only and become fully devoted. He's asking and calling us to be disciples. That's what he's doing. 
He's pushing us and saying, hey, come on, take that step to be my disciple. When we did that, he took his disciples in our text, he took them over the Kidron Valley, and he took them to the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember what Gethsemane means? It means oil pressing. It means pressing. And we saw that. And then, do you recall, Jesus goes to pray. He's being squeezed. He's being pressed. The weight of the world, he knows what he's about to do. And he says, Lord, if there's any other way that any of y'all can be saved, is there another way? And of course he says, no, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. You see, he knew the only way for you and I to be reconciled back to God was, was him going through the cross. That's the only way. And so you go, and so he sat there, and if you recall, he, he was so in prayer and anxious, great drops of, of blood, Think of the sweat that looked like blood was dropping on the ground, and we tied that all in with what happens when you, you press the olive. First and foremost, a, a reddish hue comes out first. There was nobody there. But I wonder if Matthew, I wonder if the inner circle went and go, wow. Lord, are you, are you bleeding? I wonder if it was, I wonder if as they wrote this, everyone in who's Jewish would go, that's like, the, that's like how we pray. That's, and we saw that. And then when Jesus is in the garden, do you remember what happened? Judas comes back on the scene with a detachment of troops to arrest him. And I want you to feel the weight of that. Here's been one of your BFFs, and you know Jesus loved Judas. You know he did. You know he had a plan for him, and his plan wasn't to betray him. His plan, Jesus was going to the cross one way or another. You knew that every time Jesus stepped out, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these dudes are pointing at religious, you knew that was going to go down. Amen? Amen? And here comes Judas. And if you've ever seen the TV show Law and Order, that's about what's going to happen. You go, what happens? Well, the law part of the text is Jesus, who is innocent of a crime, being arrested right now and be taken away. Today, we're going to be looking at the order part of the text. This is what we're going to see. Notice with me, guys, picking it up in verse 57. It says, And those who had laid hold of Jesus, there's the arrest, led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Now, I need to give you some background so you understand the text. It's so important. Before we jump into our study, here's some background. When it comes to this trial of Jesus, although being it bizarre and immoral and illegal, I need you to write this down. Go ahead and put this in your Bible somewhere. If you're a note taker, there were six trials altogether. There were six. You see, sometimes we come up to the text and we go, oh, Jesus went, no, there were six. You go, okay, how so? Okay, there were three religious trials and three civil trials. This all happened. Three religious trials. 
The first trial, the religious trial, Jesus is taken to Annas. The second trial, Jesus will be taken to Caiaphas. So you understand when Matthew, he sort of just kind of lumps everything in because in the mindset, he's just going, okay, he went to Caiaphas' house. But there's a, there's a religious trial happening right now. In chapter 27, you're going to see the third of the religious trial. That's where Jesus is going to stand before the Sanhedrin. What they're doing right now is they're trying to assemble the 70 uh, guys who make up the Sanhedrin and get them ready for this trial. You go, well, Ben, what about the, re- the, the civil trials? That's religious. Well, the first civil trial, if you're taking note, is when they go to Pilate. And we'll see that later on. And then we're going to see the second is when he goes to Herod Antipas. He'll stand before Herod Antipas. That's the civil trial. And then he, the third and last is going to be when he comes back to Pilate. So six in all. Now, I started thinking about those bizarre, uh, eight bizarre trials. I started thinking about court cases. I started thinking, I thought, well, how is this illegal? How, I mean, here they come in the middle of the night and they arrest Jesus. Here comes Judas. Oh, master, right? The one thing you need to remember is that if they're going to arrest the leader, they're going to arrest all y'all. Okay? Because they, they go, wait a minute, just because, well, he might have a junior leader or he might have somebody he's raising up, so we can't just arrest him. We need to arrest everybody. That's probably one of the reasons Peter took out a sword. I mean, I don't know. This text doesn't tell us. But Peter probably thought, oh, I'm not going down this way. But Jesus said, stop, stop, stop. Who are you looking for? Jesus. Well, let them go. Let them go. Which was unusual. But let's go back to the trial. Let's go back to the trial. Okay? I did some digging and found several things that made this an illegal trial right off the bat. You go, what's that? For example, if a man was arrested for a capital crime... He could never be arrested at night. It had to be in broad daylight. That was the law. Well, Jesus' arrest took place between 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning, dead at night. Right off the bat, should have been done. Hmm, interesting. Number two, if a man was arrested for a capital crime, no one cooperating in the arrest could be in any way connected to the one accused. No arrest for capital crime could be made based upon information given by a follower, a colleague of the accused. You go, what does that mean? Real simple. Judas was his follower. And if Jesus was guilty, so was his followers. And of course, this was ignored too. Why? Because they said, oh, Judas, that's okay. You go, what does that mean? Your followers could never turn on you and bring an accusation. Number three, no Jewish trial could ever be held at night. The law stated it must be held in the daytime. Number four, the members of the Jewish court, after hearing the testimony of a true witness... None which could ever be brought before Jesus, we'll see that in just a minute, in a capital crime, could not immediately act and judge. They were to go home. They were to remain alone, separate from one another for two days, or at least one full day. 
thinking about the testimonies they had heard. Can you imagine? This is exactly it. You hear the case, and you go, wait a minute, this and this, and this is requiring death? Okay. Everybody break up, separate. You can't make a judgment. For you to make a judgment at that point would be illegal. It would be illegal. You couldn't do it. It's against the law. And you go, well, Ben, why? Why? Well, remember, the Sanhedrin could not pass their own judgment until daybreak. Okay? Think about what happened while they're trying to get the Sanhedrin. It's illegal for them to make it, so they have to wait till the sun comes up. So what do they do? They put Jesus inside a pit. Do you remember that? They drop him, and I find it interesting. It tells us that there's a, there, and we've been to Israel, so we've been inside Caiaphas' house in the pit. There's a whole opening about this big, not very big, and what they were going to do is they dropped my Jesus in that pit. Now, down now, if you go down there, there's stairs and there's lights, and you're like, oh, wow, this is, a, and you start to cry because you realize that, Lord. But Jesus was there, and it was dark. And they dropped him in there, and they waited for the Sanhedrin to get together and he's in the pit. And guess what happened? When it was time, then they pulled him out. Out of the pit. Can you imagine? And I don't think they were like, oh, 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 be careful. Lord, watch out. To them, he was a criminal, and they just probably threw him down there. And there he is in, in the darkness. But I found something very interesting. Even in what they were doing, Jesus was proclaiming the gospel. What do you mean? Because the Bible says when he dies, he ascended into Abraham's, he descended into Abraham's bosom. And then what happens? Three days later, he what? Resurrected when they pulled him out. He came out of the tomb, the place, the pit. Beautiful story. Why do I tell you this? Because I want you to realize that you, man didn't write the Bible. God, in his infinite wisdom through the Holy Spirit, has just been directing it. And we penned it. And we go, how did that happen? Everything the Lord did was presenting the gospel so you and I could be saved. But let me tell you what's happening today. Fast forward to 2022. Unfortunately, man is deciding to rewrite the Bible. You see, it doesn't fit our current needs anymore. It's not relevant to us. The world is changing and the Bible is so outdated. Hogwash. But that's the world and you're going to see more and more of that. You're going to see that across the board. I can't even begin to tell you some of the stuff that's going on in the world in the name of Christianity that is so far from the word of God. And people are swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. Oh, how we need to wake up, church. Oh, how there needs to be a, a coming back to the Bible. I pray for pastors to teach the word of God. Not to, not to deviate, not to rewrite the word of God, not to... Not to well, in an effort to build my church, I need to have more people, so I'm going to water down the gospel. We can't have that church. We've got to teach the word of God. It's very relevant to what's going on today. The same religious people 
who gave us an, a bizarre illegal trial are the, is almost the same government that we see today. Making rules up so they can get what they want. Passed. I should get a good amen for that. Amen. You guys see it. You guys see it. Rules for thee, but not for me, is their motto. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that or else they'll come in here. Anyways, let's get back to our text. Within our text today, we begin the trial of Jesus. And yet, another story is brewing. You go, what's that? It's the story of Peter. It's the story of Peter. Now, meanwhile, back at the ranch, Peter, verse 58, followed him at a distance. And the high priest, or to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Your attention, please, really quick. John had an in with the high priest. Not sure how he did it, but he brought Peter along. And so Peter and John were, were trying to see where they took Jesus. Okay? Uh, the rest of the disciples said, we're out of here. <laughs> we're gone. See ya. You know what? I mean, a detachment of Roman soldiers? I mean, Jesus, I'm not sure. But what I want to show you guys is now we see that they took Jesus to Caiaphas and now we're talking about Peter. Now, here's what I want you to think. If women, if your husband ever lets you have the remote, which I know he doesn't because men control the remotes. Amen. Amen. But pretend you have a remote and you're going to change the channel. We're going to change from Jesus to Peter to Jesus to Peter. That's how we're going to do. It's like, it's like when you go and your wives go, would you just pick something? Sorry. But we don't. Man, we don't. We, we click and click and click and click and click and click. That's what we're doing, okay? So what do we do? Verse 58, and Peter, we click to Peter. Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest, to the high priest courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now, let's take a moment and see the unofficial trial of Peter. Why? Because I want you to write down in your Bibles, it didn't start here. What do you mean it didn't start here? It started about two weeks ago. Really? How so? In Matthew 26, verse 32, it says, But after, Jesus says, But after I've been raised, I'm going to go before you to Galilee. What was the point? Guys, listen, when I'm raised, go to Galilee. I'll meet you there. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. That's what he's saying. You hear that? You hear that? I call this the downward steps or the first steps to a downward fall. This is what I see. People are watching. His disciples are watching. Can you imagine? And here's what he said. I will be never made to stumble. And here's what I want you to write, okay? Write this down. Overconfidence in our own ability to stand equals pride. Overconfidence in our own ability to stand equals pride. That's what happened to Peter. Peter's like, watch this. Even if you deny him, I won't. I know you will. Not me. I'm Pete. Peter the Great. Yeah. I've seen the way you are. You, you'll deny him. But you'll, you'll be the first one to fall. Come on. And he's walking around, and here's the problem. He's got overconfidence in his own ability to stand. And right away, the Holy Spirit began to knock on my heart. And I wonder how many times 
we act like Peter. You go, Ben, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, there you are in Bible study, and you're in your quiet time, and God begins to read your own heart. He begins to speak to you. You know it's the Lord. And I wonder, as Jesus speaks to our heart, we turn, and instead of pressing into it, we come back with a, with a Peter-like response. Oh, no, I got this, Lord. I got this. I got this. Hey, 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 Ben. Hey, Ben, listen. Here, here's some things in your life that, that we need to fix. No, Lord, I, I'm, that's not a problem, Lord. That's not a problem for me. That's not a problem for me. I'm good. I'm good. Lord, I'm, I'm into you, Lord. I'm into you. I'm good. I'm good. Instead of pressing in and saying, Lord, where am I? How does this apply to me, Lord? Please protect me. We, we, we have this, guys, we have this overconfidence in our own ability. Well, see, I've been walking with the Lord how many years? I've been saved for how many years? I'm reading my Bible more than you guys. I can do this. Come on. And the Lord's like, no. No. And see, again, what was Peter's response? Even if I have to die with you, Lord. Even if I have to die with you. And so I begin to ask the Lord and he reminded me that there are people who are going to be argumentative versus teachable. Argumentative versus teachable. Which one are you? As the Lord begins to speak your heart, do you argue with the Lord? Well, Lord, no, I got this and this and this and you don't understand. It's my wife or it's my husband or it's my job or it's my boss or it's whatever it is. Instead of saying, Lord, teach me. Teach me. You see, at Calvary Chapel, guys, our goal is to teach you the word of God. That's why we go verse by verse. We call it, and it's a big fancy term, but we call it expository Bible teaching. We just want to expose what's there so that you can learn and grow. At Calvary Chapel, guys, here's the thing. We not only read the scriptures, but we pray that the scriptures read us. We have a, lot, we have a long way to go. We have a long way. It's progressive sanctification, but we don't win until we, until we die. That's when it's glorification. But right now, we're, we're climbing that hill. Yes, you're being made like Jesus every single day, but it's a work. You understand that? You got some stuff on you, and there you are sitting, the Lord comes, okay, I'm going to work on this. Ching, 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 ching. Oh, that hurts, Lord. I know, but you got, I got to get it off. Why? Because it's killing you. Ting, 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 ting. And slowly he'll chip off those things that, that, that's pride. And you can walk in humility. You can walk in grace. Unfortunately, it takes a lifetime to get there. Because just when you think, Lord, I'm, I'm good with you. That's why most of us walk around like this. Ow. Ooh, that hurt, Lord. Okay. But it's good. It's good. We need to be careful, church, with pride. You see, our confidence comes in the Lord, not ourselves. That should be, that's a good place for an amen. Our confidence comes in the Lord. This is where it comes from. Not in our own ability. How did you get up this morning and get here? It had to be the Lord. Some of you are like, I don't want to go. I'm tired. It's the Lord. The Lord prompted you. The Lord said you need to be here. 
Now, we're going to see some other downward steps from Pete, and we'll make some changes. But everybody get your clicker. We're going to change the channel. We're changing the channel back to Jesus. Look at verse 59. Now, the chief priests and the elders and all the council, what did they do? They sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But the last two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and build it up in three days. Now, here's what I want you to know. If you're an underliner or a highlighter, would you underline that phrase, found none? Found none? You go, why? Because this is what Jesus means in a life that is blameless. Blameless. Okay? That we need to live a life where there's no accusation. They found none. They're looking for false testimony. Well, let me see. Let me look at your life. Let me see. And I understand we've all made some bad choices and we all, I, I get that. But I want to live a life that's blameless. I want to live a life that, that you could look and go, man, I can't find anything. I want to live a life that's blameless. For some of you married folks, that's, uh, we have to be careful. You go, why? Because we should be able to hand our phone over to our spouse and live a life that's blameless. I'm not, I'm not looking at anything that I shouldn't. I'm not looking at anything. I mean, that's a big deal. Because we take our phones and we go, oh, I don't want we should blameless here you go amen we should live a life that's blameless and it, it, what's in our fridge would you be able to invite somebody over be like hey come on in yeah or would you be like don't go in there you're kind of holding them at the front door hey good to see you how's, how's it going <laughs> yeah no we're good I think we got COVID. No, I don't know what you're saying, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> we want to be blameless. I love the fact, I love the fact that it's, that, well, I don't love the fact that they're trying to, you know, they're, they're, they're doing my Jesus wrong. They're trying to find false testimony. I wonder if Jesus ever said, fake news. I don't know. <laughs> Eventually, what did they have to do? They had to find a false witness to bring accusation upon him. Listen to Mark. Mark gives us some more insight. I want to show you Mark's gospel, 14 through 56. It says this. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave a false testimony. We heard him say that he'll destroy the temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. Notice the next one. But even they didn't get their story straight. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They couldn't even get it right. You know? Okay, you got five minutes before we're up there. What are you going to say? Oh, I don't know. What you, and, we're, and here we are arguing. And they, Jesus didn't say that. No, he did. And they couldn't get it right. But finally they said something that Jesus did say. They, he did say, destroy this temple and I'll build it up in three days. And he wasn't, he goes on and says, I wasn't talking about the temple. 
there on the Temple Mount. He's talking about him. It goes on in verse 62. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said, I put you under oath by the living God. Now that just makes me chuckle. Because the living God, right? Jesus is both fully God and fully man. He's standing there, I put you under oath under the living God. He's like, yeah, hello. <laughs> Tell us, are you the Christ, the Son of God? I love this. And I always wonder if Jesus smiled and said, yeah, it is what you said. It is. It is as you said. He says, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Wow. Wow. You got to dig a little bit deeper here. Why? Who's he talking to? He's talking to the high priest. What does he say to the high priest? He tells the high priest, he says, yes, I am the Christ. And I say to you, hereafter, you're going to see me sitting at the right hand of the power and the coming of the clouds of heaven. And I started to think about this. He's not going to see both. You and I are going to see him coming in the clouds. You and I are going to be in First Thessalonians. We're going to be busy about it. And we're going to hear the trumpet sound. Is Oh, we're out of here. And we're going to see the Lord. But the high priest is going to die one day. And he's going to see, whoa. That's the one I... He's sitting at the right hand. It's Jesus. It is the Christ. And I think it brings great insight to humanity all around the world, don't you think? How many people are going to say, I should have believed. I should have believed. Why was I so prideful? Why was I so stubborn? Why was I so, why was I so rooted in my own religion when religion doesn't bring life? Why? Why didn't I believe? And here, is, here I'm going to stand before Almighty God. You see, I don't think anyone's going to try to fight the Lord and go, well, no, you were wrong. You were He's, They're just going to go. <sighs> why didn't I believe? Why didn't I believe? You see, church, we're living in an age where God is, is calling and he and he's, and he's has his arms open wide and he's not holding men's sins against them and he's offering forgiveness and he's offering life. And people go, hmm. Hmm. And we need to be so careful because I know inflation is through the roof and I know gas prices are through the roof. And I know jobs are hard to find. And I know the world is crazy. And I know we have a war. And I know we have rumors of war. But literally at the end of the day, we're going to stand before Jesus. And gas prices at $3 a gallon or $10 a gallon aren't going to matter when you stand before Almighty God. And his question to you is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son? Well, Lord, I, 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 I. What did you do with my Jesus? 
and the chief priest right here. So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? Well, he obviously you see he's confronted with this charge. And, and Jesus remained silent. And you go, why did he remain silent at first? Well, because he was fulfilling, jot this down, Isaiah 53, verse 7. He's fulfilling that. You see, Jesus could not deny that he made the statement, and yet neither could he explain the spiritual meaning of the statement. How? To a group of worldly-minded men. How is he going to say, wait a minute, okay, so... Your, your attention, please. <laughs> Listen, I know they said, I kind of said that, but it wasn't really the temple. I, can, I can't destroy the Well, actually, I could. I could get a legion of... of but anyways, here's, they're going to look at him and go, what? There's a great application there, too. And you go, what's that? Be careful when you're trying to spiritually explain the gospel to worldly-minded people. And you go, they're not getting it. They're not going to get it. It's a work of the Spirit. It's a work. Now, let me say this to you. Be careful. Be careful. Because if you can talk someone into salvation, somebody can talk you out of salvation. So it has to be a work of the Spirit. The Bible calls it being what? Born again. Born from above. It's a work of the Spirit. We share. We share our lives. We share the gospel. This is good news. And then we let the Lord make the move on the people. Say, oh, yes. 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 So he didn't explain. He just, it, it is, it is, it is. Well, what happens now? Look at verse 65. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What was the blasphemy? Well, first of all, he was led by false accusation, but then he kind of cornered him and says, Are you the Christ? And the Lord's like, Yeah. Well, the blasphemy is that now he's thinking this man is claiming to be God. Guess what? He is God. He is God. So he's tripping right here. And he says, we don't, we don't even need any more testimony. We don't even, this trial is over. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And he answered, said, he is deserving of death. Is he? Why didn't they just go, hey, you're a fruitcake. You're a crazy man. Go on your way. No, they want to kill him. They want to kill him. And then verse 67 makes me sad. Then they spat on his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palm of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who was the one who struck you? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Two things right here. Number one, um, that was me. That was me. Before I believed, it was the same way. You see, even though I grew up religious, those were those times. I don't understand the gospel. You see, that's what sin does to the Lord. It spits on him. It slaps on him. It ridicules him. That's what sin is. And then it separates us from him. So I can't go, what is wrong with you people? Don't you know? I can do that now because I know that was me. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You go, oh, yeah, that was me too, Ben. You don't understand the life I lived. 
You don't know how many times. I don't even want to go there. But the second thing that I want to show you is, do you remember how the crushing of the olives start? Do you remember how? You go, yeah. It starts in the, no, no, no. Do you remember what they do? They shake the tree first. They get up and they shake the tree. Now we have machines, right? You have those, but right here, an officer struck Jesus open-handed for no reason. The shaking of the tree. They're like, wow. In chapter 27, we're going to see Jesus stand before the Sanhedrin. And we're going to talk more about the legal trial. We'll talk about that. But now what do we do? We change the channel back to Peter. Everybody change the channel back to Peter. Now, uh, chapter 27, is we're going to see the, the religious trial with the Sanhedrin. We're going to see uh, him going to Pilate. Um, but we're here with Peter. We're here with Peter. And right here is where Peter denied Jesus. But I want to remind you that before we pass judgment on Peter, I want to remind us about our lives and how many times we've denied the Lord. You go, what do you mean? I had the awesome privilege the first time I went to Israel to actually bring a teaching at Caiaphas' house. I got to go there. We sat there. And they said, oh, I want you to teach that. And one of the things the Lord spoke to me wasn't an open denial like Peter. I don't know him! But how many times the Lord opened doors that I didn't pre- present the gospel and how many times I didn't just share the love of Jesus. And I was like denying the Lord. But the Lord brought back to me the very first time I denied the Lord. You see, I'd grown up with two older brothers and um, you know how older brothers can be. They can be pretty, you know, hey. I, and I remember sitting in the living room and, and I had just, Christianity was just exposed in my heart. I had just gotten saved. I had no idea what I was doing. You guys understand? You remember when you first got saved? What happened? I'm saved. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm saved. I gave my life to the Lord. And we, I was talking to one of my older brothers. Now, I have two older brothers that are twins and I was talking to one of them. And, and this was all, this was the Jesus movement. And so he looks at me as an older brother would Okay, he's eight years older than me. And he says, so what? Are you saved? Now, the way he said it intimidated me. Are you saved? Like, like that was a bad thing. And I went, no. You know what I mean? I was like, no, I was really intimidated. by my, This is my older brother. And, and I really, and, and, and you could almost hear the rooster crow. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, and that always bothers me because I didn't know what to say other than I was being intimidated and the Lord reminded me when I was in Israel, oh, how many times have we denied the Lord because we're scared or intimidated? We don't want, that's my friend, I don't, I don't want to tell him, but, but Peter denies him. Peter denies him. So let's chat. Let's look at our lives. Let's mirror our lives for the remainder of our time with Pete. What do you mean? Well, remember, his overconfidence, his pride, that's where he first stumbles. And I believe that a second misstep was really, now grasp this, guys, was a lack of prayer in hard times. You go, wait a minute, how so? Well, do you remember what Peter said? 
Jesus comes to him and he goes, guys, could you guys, this is hard time. This is, we're, we're about to, it's about to go down. Could you pray? And Peter snoozes. He sleeps. And I think that was a second misstep, guys. And you go, what do you mean? Well, here's what I want you to see. I think it's a huge red flag in our lives is that the first thing to go is prayer in hard times. It's the first thing. When we're overconfident and we lose our zeal for prayer, you can end up, we're in that downward spiral. We're already there. I got this. Well, maybe you should pray. I don't need to pray. I know what the Lord is telling me. I got this. But let me show you a third misstep. You go, what's that? It's found in verse 58. It says, but Peter followed at a distance. He followed at a distance. In Luke twenty-two fifty-four, it says it like this. Having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, listen to me. I understand the text. Jesus was not going to be walking, or Peter was not going to be walking with Jesus during the arrest. You understand that. And I understand from a physical point that he was following from a distance. He didn't want to get too close. He didn't want to get crucified himself. He didn't want to be part of that. You get, I understand that, okay? But from a spiritual point of view, I want to take this and mirror our lives. And you go, why? Because I want you to see in our walks, when we are overconfident, when there's pride, when there's lack of prayer, guess what happens? We sort of follow Jesus from a distance. You go, Ben, what do you mean? It means we're followers, but we're followers from a distance. How so? Why well, look at Peter's life. He said, at one point, he said, I will die for you. And right now, where is he? He's several yards back. He's several yards back. We have to guard our hearts and guard our walks. And I think there's something that, that, that really lacks in a lot of Christians' life, and that's honesty. And we don't want anyone to think of us any, any different or any little when we're being honest, but sometimes we need to be honest. And you go, how's your walk? Man, I'm struggling. I'm following at a distance. I need prayer. I got a little cocky. I got a little, I got a little overconfident, but it's so much better to go, man, I'm, I'm, I'm broken right now. I need, I need the Lord. And it's okay to be broken. It's okay. And it's okay for Peter to go, man, you know what? I'm scared. I'm scared. If I, I, I love Jesus, but and I, can, I know everything I said. Can you imagine everything that was going through his mind? But Pete, what are we going to do? Well, look at verse 69. Now, Peter sat outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, You were also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't even know what you're saying. And I thought, wow. It's one thing, listen to me, it's one thing to follow Jesus from a distance. Oh, I don't want people to know I'm a Christian. I'm going to hang out at the water cooler. I don't even know if they have water coolers anymore. I'm going to hang out by the water cooler and I'm going to listen to their filthy jokes and I'm going to cut up with them. <laughs> and I'm going to go out with them and I'm going to be one of the guys, I'm going to be one of the gals, this is what I'm going to do. But I don't really want them to know because, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, I'm a Christian. I know I'm a believer, but I don't want... It's one thing to follow him at a distance, but it's a whole other thing 
when you're hanging out with people who don't love Jesus. Be careful, church. You see, Pete, if we were to admonish Pete, we would have said, Pete, you should have been in prayer with the others. You were the leaders. You should have been encouraging and comforting them. You should have been hanging on. But where do we find Pete? He's warming himself with those who didn't love Jesus. And of course, his reaction is, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him. I don't know him. Why, Pete? Why? Well, look at verse 71. And when they had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, Hey, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood came up and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them. Your speech betrays you. You talk like a Galilean. You have to be with him. I saw you with him. You know what? Right here, what would be the proper thing to do? I would say press into this. Oh, you you know what? Yes, he's my Lord. He's my Savior. But Pete busted and he continues tonight. Notice verse 74. Then Peter began to curse. Did you guys know that? He began to curse and swear. Thank God Matthew didn't put in everything that that Peter said. (laughs) He says, I do not know the man. Right? If we were watching this on television, it would have been beep, 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 beep. I don't know. Beep, beep, beep. You know? And I mean, he's really adamant, right? He's really tripping. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so he went out and wept bitterly. We've got to be careful with pride, church. Our confidence comes from the Lord because, because be, beware. Once you think you stand, lest you fall. Be careful with who you surround yourself with. Eventually, those who don't love Jesus will pull you down. Well, are you saying, Pastor, that that we shouldn't witness to the world? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is be careful who you hang out with. Who's, who's, be careful. They'll pull you down. I mean, you go, I'm trying to pull them up. You've got to be so careful. Well, are you saying that we should just, um, I, I know, we'll just gather together and we'll have our holy huddle and we'll sing Kumbaya and we'll never reach the world. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you just to be careful. Because what happens is I've seen so many Christians get away from fellowship, get away from church, get away from the word, and now they find themselves leaning towards their old friends who don't love Jesus, and here's what you find them doing. You find them doing things that are not Christian. Isn't that denial? I know I still love the Lord. We need to talk. And you talk. Here's the point. We have the, we have the bizarre, the illegal trial of Jesus. We do. We, we have that it's crazy. You know what? They're bringing false witnesses. It's all false news. It's all accusations. It's all that. We see that. Jesus is innocent. He's the son of God. But now you have Pete. And you go, well, the world's not looking at Pete, but other disciples are looking at Pete. Well, isn't, didn't Pete say that he was... Uh, yeah, Pete said he was good. He, would, uh, he, he called us all silly fools. 
If these guys would fall, I'm not going to fall. These guys might. Come on, Pete. Pete, the Lord said we should go to Galilee. No, I'm going to follow. But I'm going to follow him at a distance. I'm going to follow him that nobody's going to see me. Well, where do you end up, Pete? I'm going to end up... And, and here's the irony. You ready? We're going to close with this. But think about this. Where's Pete? Pete's warming himself by a coal of the fire of coals right there he's like this what I don't know the man you you understand that but here's something beautiful when Jesus restores Pete where does he restore him by a coal of fire out on the sea of Galilee Ooh, I love when the Lord does that. I love when he takes my mistakes and he turns them on its head and he blesses me. Oh, yeah, you made that mistake, but uh, look, I restored you. This is good. You see, because if it was me and I denied the Lord that bad so that I cussed, I don't think I could see a, a fire for the rest of my life. Or a rooster for that matter. But Jesus does the impossible in our lives. He takes our mess ups he turns them on his head and he blesses us. Can I get an amen? amen? Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord, that we covered so many verses. And uh, wow. Lord, we see two trials. One illegal and yet official because you're going to go to the cross. And we see the other unofficial and yet more concerning. Father, I thank you that you died for Peter as well as for me. I thank you that you restored Peter and you're restoring us. And so today, Lord, I pray that if any one of us is in a downward step, that we're headed to a great fall because we're overconfident or we're not praying or we have no devotion or we're following the Lord at a distance, or we're led into temptation, or we're hanging out at the enemy's campfire. I pray that even today's teaching that you would convict us. Conviction is a beautiful thing. Forgive us of our sins, O Lord, and draw us close to you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave. I never want to leave a Bible study without giving anyone here an opportunity to surrender to the Lord. And maybe throughout the study, you were listening to it and you heard some things and you realized through the power of the Holy Spirit that you're not right with God. That you don't have a right relationship with Him. But maybe today, the Lord's knocking on your heart. As a matter of fact, you might have walked into the church thinking, I feel like I'm oceans away from the Lord. And, but I want to be close. See, you might feel like you're oceans and miles away from God, but today, you're one decision from coming back to Him. But you have to make that decision. You go, Pastor, what do I have to do? All you have to do is lift up your hand in just a moment. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I feel like I'm away from God and I, wanna, I, I, and I hear Him calling to me and I want to be right with Him. Well, Pastor, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. Well, who is going to see? Nobody's going to see. Every eye's closed, every head's bowed. This is between you and the Lord. You go, Ben, what if nobody raises their hand? Then I can go to bed tonight happy, knowing that everyone is saved and walking with Jesus. So, with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that needs prayer? That says, Pastor, pray for me. I feel like I'm far from Jesus today and I want to be right with him. Would you lift up your hand right now and, in, and, and just your declaration to come back to God?
You may have given your life to him years ago, but you've backslidden. You're on a downward step like Peter, but today you go, Ben, you know what? I, I heard. I hear you, Lord. All you have to do is lift up your hand. Would you do that right now? If God is speaking to you, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone? Real quick, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm just going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you that you're speaking us and you're speaking to us and that you love us. And I pray for these hands that were raised and even those that weren't, Lord, that we would run back to you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.